Hello and welcome to Inside Maine. This is Angus King, where periodically we talk to people across the state about issues of interest to people in Maine and also interests uh, that involve many times the rest of the country. Today we're talking about a national issue, but which has particular relevance and importance in Maine. The issue is telehealth. That is your ability to visit with your doctor or medical provider via streaming, via a computer in your home or at a, another medical facility. Telehealth is something that's been around for quite a while, but it just exploded in utilization during COVID and really taught us how valuable and important it can be. Our first guest is Dr. Mike Ross, who is the, uh, let, let me see, you know, I want to be sure I get all of his uh, titles properly. He's a, a medical doctor, chief medical information officer at Eastern Maine Medical Center, Northern Light Health. He's also got a position called medical informatics. So Dr. Ross, before we talk about where we are now, let's do a little history. Where was telehealth in Maine, say, five years ago? So telehealth has evolved in a uh, progressively slow fashion uh, right until right before the pandemic. A lot of telehealth was utilized for very specific situations. So like if you had a, you know, wanted to look at a particular use case or like you wanted to look at teleanemia or problems with blood pressure, you know, trying to get one specific issue, that's where telehealth was until pre-pandemic. And then, of course, pandemic kind of changed everything. Well, and I also remember you had to go to a special facility with a camera and a, and a screen. There was very little, if any, that you could just do from your from your home computer. Absolutely. The um, the Connect Act made some huge changes, and those changes allowed folks, regardless of where they were, to be able to access telehealth, allowed folks to use their home devices, didn't have to use specific devices, allowed there to be no pre-existing relationship between the patient and the provider. It really just opened everything up. I understand that the use of telehealth went up something like 60 times in the pandemic, what it was prior. I mean, that's that's a huge deal. That's not just a, a small incremental change. It was a massive change. And, and basically, all of our operations switched to online. So regardless of practice type, pretty much every practitioner at Northern Light Health was using telehealth to some degree. And many providers, especially in primary care and psychiatry and within some of our medical and even some of our surgical specialties were using it as the bulk of their work. Now, mental health has always been far ahead in this space, and they've always utilized telehealth to some degree. But now we were able to, to utilize this across multiple different specialties. Well, one of the things we learned here during the pandemic is how important broadband is. Yes. Because if you're a, a, a senior in a rural area and don't have a decent connection, you still have to drive a couple of hours to the doctor's office. And so that's why the broadband provisions that are being implemented right now in May and huge expenditures and investment, that's going to allow the expansion of telehealth to maintain itself. Right. So at current Telehealth is, makes up anywhere from 10 to 15% of all visits at Northern Light Health. Now, if you think about 10 to 15% of all visits being dependent upon 
your level of broadband, that is a, a, a huge impact in terms of, of how people receive care. The ability to access broadband has always been a uh, concern, whether you're engaging in calling 911 or getting support services or telecommuting. Now it becomes equivalent to your ability to receive health care. So one of the phrases that we're very fond of, of saying here is that digital health, digital ability is equal to medical health. So digital engagement is consistent and supported by your, your broadband connection. Well, and I'm not sure people are aware, but the greatest investment in broadband in American history is taking place at this moment. Maine is scheduled to get somewhere between 400 and $500 million, and the the target is a, a broadband connection for every everybody in Maine that's not only accessible, but affordable. And uh, I met last week with a, a fellow from doing economic development in Farmington, Maine. They're going to have a fiber to pretty much every address in Franklin County within the next year, year and a half. That's an a, amazing uh, transformation and will allow telehealth to be uh, much more utilized. Now, I think it's important for people to realize that what this means is that if you're in a small town, let, let's say you're in uh, Sangerville and you have a, an appointment in Bangor, you can do your appointment by telehealth and it saves you about four hours of, of driving and sitting in the doctor's office and waiting for your, your appointment. I mean, it's a huge convenience for consumers. And my understanding is it's reduced the no-shows for appointments. Is that correct? We find that telehealth visits reduce no-shows. Overall, we're able to see more patients uh, with a more predominant telehealth schedule. And also, it, it speaks to the ability to have closer follow-up. If you need to do check-ins on a more frequent basis, that's much more uh, accessible if you can do it over the internet as opposed to having to drive those four hours. Now, part of this was facilitated during the pandemic by the, the feds lowering some of the barriers. Yes. So talk to me about that. What, what, what was changed and what do we need to keep from being changed back, if you will? A lot of those changes related to the device that you were using, the uh, where you had to, to go, your originating location, allowing FQHCs, RHCs to be able to access telehealth, uh, the ability to use telehealth audio only. It doesn't always have to involve video. You can gain a lot from a conversation. Well, one of the things that concerns me is that a lot of these uh, waivers, if you will, or, or relaxing of these rules expire at the end of 2024. That's by law. We've extended them once, but what I'm interested in is extending them indefinitely. What we've learned is there shouldn't be barriers. Do you, is that, am I on the right track? You are dead on the track. This will be a huge step backwards to return to pre-pandemic operations. Um, you know, pandemic taught us a lot, and it was an extraordinarily difficult time in American history. This is one of the silver linings that has come out of it and has allowed one in 10 appointments to be delivered in a whole new way. Well, one in 10, that's amazing. Now, you're, you're an apostle of this. How about your colleagues? How do the uh, the medical profession generally feel about this? Do they do they feel like they're really missing a lot by not having the physical appointments, or do they feel like this is an efficient way to deliver services? Well, telehealth evolution has been slow and steady, and what we've seen is more and more folks getting excited about it as more and more ways to utilize telehealth has come around. 
Telehealth doesn't just have to be between a patient and a provider. Sometimes telehealth between two providers can be huge, and it doesn't always have to be at the same time. It can be what's called asynchronous. Say a PA or a nurse practitioner or a general provider, a general physician wants to uh, consult with a specialist. They can, through telehealth, send a message to that specialist asking them to review the patient's chart, and the specialist can review and then send back information. It's what's called an e-consult. Um, and it makes a tremendous difference in terms of being able to increase access to the specialist. It's kind of a double win because the primary provider can be able to review the information with the specialist, and the patient doesn't have to travel to unnecessary specialist appointment. Well, that's an important point because we've been talking heretofore about patient and provider, but telehealth, as I understand it, as you just outlined, can be very important provider to provider. It, it eases consultation and that is as important as, as the direct to patient. You got it. And um, that provider to provider has opened up additional connections within the medical group. We've seen our service line strengthen as a result of that. Well, Maine is a rural state. You're in the big city of Bangor, and you know <laughs> I live in the big city of Brunswick, but a majority of our re residents live in rural areas. Talk to me about the importance of this development for those areas, the small towns and, and people that are scattered across Piscataquis, Penobscot, Aroostook County. We've done an analysis uh, of, of Northern Maine at, at, uh, within our health system, and, and so much of challenges associated with that area uh, with chronic diseases, heart failure, diabetes, COPD, um, all can be improved through the implementation of telehealth uh, with home monitoring and, and frequent telehealth visits. Now, you mentioned the term home monitoring. Is there a, a version of this that involves uh, devices that could uh, do your blood pressure and, and oxygen levels and, and pulse and those kinds of things that would typically you go to a doctor's office and the first thing they do is blood pressure, weight, the vitals, temperature. Can that be done remotely and add to the richness of the data that's, that's being collected? It can be, and what we're seeing nationwide and what we're exploring at Northern Life Northern Lake quite a bit is what's called digital engagement. So the idea that I can send frequent requests for information associated with um, folks' weight and um, blood pressure, um, checking blood sugar, things like that, and being able to provide management from afar, that works on two levels, both back to the um, uh, the primary care provider, but also involving the specialists. And our home care uh, department, our home care wing has been absolutely essential uh, in terms of being able to, to deliver these services. We're really at the beginning of this revolution. And what are the obstacles in the future? What's, what's to hold this back? Awareness continues to be a challenge. One of the programs that we are, are very excited about is the uh, virtual walk-in care, being able to see patients with low-level medical concerns online. But having the word out there, I think, is can, can be challenging. Adoption, you know, some folks are very excited about telehealth, some less so. But really, the biggest burdens is what we've talked about. It's that digital access. It's being able to ensure that folks uh, who need that broadband can get it and unnecessary federal regulations. Absolutely. Don't forget, uh, don't forget that. Yeah, we don't wanna go backwards. We've come so far. 
as you know, we're going to be working on this over the next year or so. So to the extent that, that you and our next guest have information or data or direct experience, let, let me know so I can use that as ammunition in the argument to uh, continue the, the uh, expansion of the, of the regulatory regime. Well, I, I take it from all of your comments that you find this a, a, a real positive. And it seems to me that this, this is a huge step forward, particularly for rural medicine and in parts of Maine where we don't have specialists. I mean, there are parts of Maine where they're not even pediatricians, let alone you know, psychiatrists or, or dermatologists. So uh, that strikes me as a, as, a, as a huge opportunity for the state of Maine. Profound. Absolutely. The ability to deliver care and especially related to chronic care management. If we had better control of their asthma at home, um, that can make a big difference. Um, we see the same thing with psychiatric care and being able to see, uh, get a little bit of an insight into the home environment when delivering psychiatric care by telehealth can, uh, can be a, a real benefit and, and kind of a, another silver lining associated with delivery of care. Well, is there an opportunity for the hospital to have a digital emergency room so that you could triage potential emergency patients and, and keep them out of the emergency room if not necessary, if it's not necessary? Yeah, that's the goal of our virtual walking care. And how do people learn about this? How does a resident of uh, Jackman know what number to call or how, to, how, this, how this is possible for them to access? Google is your friend, uh, and so uh, not always, not, not always. always. <laughs> but searching for Northern Light Health walking care, uh, and and choosing the virtual option uh, can be helpful in terms of engaging with our on-demand available uh, virtual walking care. And then when folks go to their providers and see someone in follow-up. Many offices will have signage associated with telehealth, uh, and you can always ask, is this a telehealth uh, appropriate appointment? Dr. Ross, not only are you a medical informatics guy, but you're also a pediatrician. Talk to me about telehealth and the issues involving young people, particularly coming out of the pandemic. It's been, I think it's been very hard on, on, on kids. And is this uh, one way that we can help them to get them some care? It is. Uh... So we've seen the, the pandemic have a pretty considerable negative impact on adolescent mental health, uh, a lot of increase in anxiety, in depression, uh, a lot of school challenges, a lot of home challenges. The nice thing about telehealth is it allows access to folks uh, who may not have a mental health professional right available. And it also provides the treating provider a bit of a window into what's happening at the house. So being able to see the patient in their own environment gives some insight into what are some of the challenges. Is it food insecurity? Is it difficulty with transportation? There's nothing quite like seeing someone in their home to be able to understand and, and walk a, a couple steps in their shoes. Interesting. That's a benefit of telehealth. Frankly, I'd never heard discussed because instead of seeing somebody in your office in a kind of isolated situation, you can get a feel for, for what the, the home situation is like, which in turn can contribute to the, to the issue at hand. Exactly. Folks tend to be a, maybe not on their best behavior, but certainly, you know, guarded when they go see their provider. And when you're home, it's a little bit less intimidating. And so it's certainly, you're certainly a lot more dressed and um, it uh, allows for more of a discussion and, and be able to get into some, some depth a bit easier. Yeah. Well, 
Dr. Ross, thank you so much, and thanks thanks for your work. I hope that the that Northern Light will uh, reach out in in with you, you mentioned signage or notices, newspaper articles and things to make people aware, because I have a feeling there's a lot of pent-up demand out there as people learn about this uh, this capacity. Nobody enjoys driving in Maine in, uh, in the winter uh, two hours for an appointment that may take a half hour, and this is a this is a wonderful option. Thank you so much for your work, uh, Dr. Mike Ross at uh, Northern Light, and uh, we'll continue to keep in touch as this, particularly as this regulatory uh, regime continues to be worked on down here. Very shortly, we're going to come back and talk about a particular utilization of telehealth that is very important, particularly right now. Stay with us. This is Angus King on Inside Maine. Welcome back to Inside Maine. We're talking about telehealth, uh, almost, I think it's fair to say, a revolution in healthcare delivery, particularly for places like rural Maine. What has happened during the pandemic is an enormous expansion of the utilization of telehealth, and it's made a real difference in people's lives. One of the areas where it has made the most difference is in behavioral health working with people who are struggling with some kind of uh, behavioral or emotional issue, mental health issue, and that's where telehealth has become uh, very, very important. And I want to talk right now to Beth Duby, who is a nurse practitioner at Maine Behavioral Healthcare, and she specializes in psychiatric health. Beth, thanks for joining us. And first, I'll, I'll ask you the same question I started with uh, with Mike Ross, which is, Talk about mental health and behavioral health treatment five years ago versus now and the role of telehealth. Sure. Uh, thank you for having me. So prior to the pandemic, we were providing behavioral health care basically in the office. That's the only option that we had. Patients had to come in to the office for their assessments and, or medication adjustments and then continue to come back to the office for follow-up appointments. It was a hardship for a lot of folks when they have to travel far distances in rural Maine. Some people would travel, like you had said before with Dr. Ross, two hours to get to the clinic and and then have an appointment and then drive back. So it could take a half day for a patient to get the care that they needed. After the pandemic, things significantly changed um, that we at Maine Behavioral are doing about 50% of our visits as telehealth. 50%. So it's gone from zero to 50%. <laughs> and, and I guess the question is, well, it's obvious that 50% feels that they're getting the, the care that they need in that setting. Uh, and I remember hearing years ago that behavioral health was an area that worked well because people were comfortable talking to a screen. Is that true? Right. We were doing some telehealth visits prior to the pandemic. We entered some of our rural clinics where we just did not have access. Um, in Norway, in Farmington, we had a psychiatrist working out of Portland, providing that care to residents in that area. And patients really seemed to do okay with that. But there were limitations. You had to go to an office with the telehealth equipment. And now that we have, we can do it on any device, your phone, uh, your computer, it has definitely increased access. Do you find also, one of the things I've heard is that the no-show ratio is down, that, that people are more likely to keep their appointments. 
Absolutely. If a person um, has a telehealth appointment, they don't have to rely on the transportation services, which we've had problems with. They weren't picking patients up consistently, if at all, and then the patient would miss their appointment. Now, if they have the option of telehealth, they don't have to worry about that. They don't have to worry about getting childcare, leaving work for half a day to come in for an appointment. Well, one of the things that I think is so important here, and you, you mentioned the psychiatrist in Portland seeing people uh, in, in, in the Western Maine region or in, in, in those areas, is we have a terrible shortage of behavioral health professionals in Maine, particularly in rural areas. So this is a way of, of dealing with that. You can have the professional be in, in Portland or Lewiston or Bangor, but they can have coverage in Jackman or Presque Isle that otherwise there just simply would be no one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those, some of those positions are really hard to recruit for. Physicians, APPs, want to work in Portland. They want to work in the larger city. Some of those rural clinics, have, they've had positions open for years. Wow. And, and is that happening? I mean, you're, you're, you're now able to broaden your reach, in effect? Absolutely. And how do the patients react? Do they feel that they're getting adequate care? Do they feel that telehealth is second-class care? Some people will always prefer the face-to-face visit. They feel like they're just not as connected when they're doing a telehealth visit. And I would say the majority of my patients love telehealth. They like the convenience of the telehealth. They don't have to travel to the clinic. They don't have to get childcare. They don't have to leave work. Well, the other piece is no stigma. They don't have to worry about driving up and going into an office that says uh, behavioral health or psychiatric care or something. And, and that's, a, that's a real barrier, isn't it, for a lot of people to seek behavioral health care? Sure, sure. I I came across that when working in uh, primary care settings uh, where I worked as an integrated provider and patients were more willing to come in to say the primary care office than the psychiatry office. But patients now with telehealth, it's the same thing. There's there's no stigma. They don't have to worry about somebody seeing them in the waiting room or... or, Correct. Absolutely. Do the providers feel good about I mean, do they feel that they're able to give a requisite level of care? They do. I think that, again, with telehealth, there are limitations of what we can do. There are some things that we have to see a patient face-to-face for, to do certain assessments and put hands on the patient. But for the majority of our work, doing our follow-up visits, we can see them via telehealth and provide the same, same care. The patient satisfaction with telehealth is very good. We've had very positive feedback from the patients and also the providers. And you have seen a significant increase. I think you said you're now seeing about 50% of your patients this way. And certainly it's more efficient for the patients, as you said, they don't have to drive and, and, and those kinds of things. Are there any metrics about outcomes that indicate any difference in outcomes between face-to-face and telehealth? What we've seen are the outcomes are, are the same. Well, that's encouraging. Now, what about my questions to Dr. Ross about the federal regulations and the the danger of falling back into the pre-pandemic regulations was severely, well, for example, one thing I recall is that you couldn't have a telephone call at all. I I think that was unreimbursable, as I recall. So are the regulations a concern for you? Absolutely. And I would think that if if we went back to pre-pandemic, we would be taking a step back in access to care. 
the barriers that I see right now with the telehealth are the needs for wet signatures. So patients for psychiatric care, they do have to consent to treatment and those consents require a, a wet signature. So we need allowances to- um, Now tell allow. me, define define wet signature. <laughs> wet signature, a person actually has to sign the piece of paper in person. So uh, giving us the opportunity to do, get those signatures electronically and have those um, be as valid as the wet signature. Um, patients have to sign consents to treat, they have to sign medication consents, they have to sign treatment plans. And depending on the regulatory body, um, they all have different requirements. So being allowed to get electronic signatures would be very helpful. And also to help us continue to use telephone visits. If a patient doesn't show up for their telehealth visit, we will call the patient and say, hey, are you having any trouble logging in? If they can't log in, we do a phone visit. That way they don't miss their appointment. It gives us the opportunity to see patients in their homes and see how they're living, who's living in the house with them. It, it allows us to talk to their family members and involve them as part of treatment. I'm able to talk to group homes and see all the group home members and how the patient is doing in that setting, where before I never got to talk to them. When we think about folks who live in group homes, they're short-staffed. They don't have the time to bring a patient into the office. So right. if they can set up telehealth in their office, wonderful. It saves everybody time and people get to get seen. How about young people? One of the tragedies now is what I call the diseases of despair. Drug abuse, suicide, depression, all of the data that I've seen coming out of the pandemic is that this has been particularly hard on, on adolescents. Are you seeing that? I would think adolescents of, of anyone would be at ease with a telehealth kind of approach. Oh, sure. The kids were really great with telehealth and they were actually helping their parents get on their telehealth visits because they were using telehealth for school and they were more technologically savvy than some of their folks. And so the kids really took to the telehealth visit for sure. And what percentage of your clientele, of your patients are younger people as opposed to people over 30, for example? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I treat mostly adults, so most of my patients are over 30. Um, okay. But we do have child and adolescent services at our clinic and in the, in the rural clinics as well. Now, do you foresee a day where you could have a, uh, and maybe you're already there, that you have a, essentially a, a telehealth call center, a behavioral health call center, and you could have 10 or 20 professionals and, and uh, you could be serving all over Maine uh, at once. I mean, I, I, I just really worry about these small towns. I was in Dover Foxcroft last week and, and you know, there's, there's a lot of social service providers, but there are not many mental health professionals. And, and, and that's a real dire need, I think, in many of these small towns. Sure. Um, when uh, Dr. Ross was speaking, the wheel started turning for me about a virtual walk-in clinic. Could we do something like that? It seems like it would make sense that if we had patients that we could steer away from the emergency rooms that are very busy right now, that would be fantastic in what we want to do. A lot of the business in, in emergency rooms that I visited have involved behavioral health issues, which the emergency rooms really aren't equipped to deal with. But people end up there, particularly young people, because there's no other place for them to go. 
Right. There's a lot of care coordination. It's not just um, providing a service to a, a person and giving them a medication. It's all those additional services that they need, connecting them to therapy, to an intensive outpatient program, to substance abuse treatment. And, and you could do that virtually. Well, I, I think it's a cliche to say we're, we're scratching the surface. I think we're more than that. I think we're well into a, a real change in the delivery of healthcare. But, but uh, as we've been discussing, there are future opportunities for us to expand it, particularly as broadband expands so significantly in Maine and more and more people have the resources. Those people that are visiting you virtually, are they scattered over a, a geographic area? Are they concentrated in any particular areas? Are they urban, rural? What's the, what's the breakdown? They're all over the place. So in my Portland clinic, I may see patients as far away as Winthrop. I have some patients in Dixfield and in Oxford County. And in the, the Norway clinic, we can see people as far away as, as Stratton and everywhere in between. So when you, especially with the rural clinics, Rural behavioral health is really a challenge because they don't have the resource. And for some people, this is the only way we can do that. And for those folks who are in those rural communities who don't have access to broadband, the telephone visit is their really, really their only option. The really exciting part about this is the expansion of the, of the availability without a real diminution of the quality. Correct. It's not like I, I, when you... Do you feel that you're compromising the quality of, of the product that you're delivering when you're having a telehealth visit as opposed to a live visit? I don't. Well, you know, as, as we've had this discussion, I'm getting more and more excited. I mean, I, this is a made-for-a-rural-state development, it seems to me, and, and can provide particularly specialist services in mental health. As you know, there's a lack of psychiatrists, a lack of, of psychologists, of, of mental health professionals such as yourself. And uh, but but geography doesn't matter anymore. And th that's a that's an amazing change. I mean, geography has always been our our nemesis, and uh, no longer will that be the case. That's huge for for adolescents in these small towns, but also for seniors. Absolutely, and. And I think of patients, they may have just had surgery or they're being treated for cancer and it's really best for them not to be out in the community and to stay home. We get to see that they don't miss a visit. Well, I want to thank Beth Doobie and, and Mike Ross for joining me today. I, I think this is a very exciting opportunity for Maine as I sort of get, couldn't contain myself. Uh, and, and I think what we need to do is, is all think about what are the barriers what are the uh, and what are the facilitators like better broadband, uh, home monitoring equipment, for example, for for checkups of things like blood pressure and and those kinds of things, but also breaking down the barriers to care and letting people know that this is available. I mean, I, I think that's one of the biggest pieces is that people need to know where to call and and uh, Beth. How do people reach, uh, reach Maine Behavioral Health? You can call our, our Maine number and... Maine Behavioral Health. Uh, dot org. Absolutely. The important thing is, as we're particularly talking about behavioral health, is if you feel the need, reach out. Uh, there are people, there are professionals, there are people that are there to listen and to, to provide support and help. And I think that's, uh, that's important for people to know. So 
think about this idea of connecting with your doctor, your provider, your healthcare professional online, saving that drive and getting the care that you need from the wonderful, caring professionals we have in Maine. Thanks again to our guests and thank you for joining us on Inside Maine. See you next time.